Hello and welcome to Messiah's Upper Room Podcast. Each week, you'll join Messiah's Upper Room Bible Study Class led by Pastor Jim Adi. This week, we take a break from the Gospel of John and instead dive into the book of Matthew, where Pastor Adi leads a discussion on why we should not worry. Enjoy. Here this morning for our uh, Bible study class, the Upper Room Bible Study. Uh, I'm Pastor Adi, again meeting with you this morning, doing it a little differently today. Normally we're here gathered uh, on Sunday morning, but uh, I'm here with you on Monday morning. We're recording the class for, uh, for uh, distribution out on Wednesday, so we appreciate Everybody's patience with this uh, new shelter-in-place way of, of, of trying to handle this. And uh, this is a new thing for me as well as it might be a new thing for you. Uh, we have been working through the Gospel of John. Um, I decided last week to take a, a two-week break from John just to kind of talk a little bit about the things that people are dealing with with respect to the anxiety associated with, uh, with not only the virus, but also the uh, changes that are happening in our society and certainly locally as we, as we deal with the, uh, with the anxiety about the virus, but also the anxiety with how we're handling the virus. So today I, I am honored that uh, I have with me in the room here uh, our good friend and comfort dog, Triton. He's, uh, he's up here at the church today, and he and I are in this room together. So it's kind of nice to be able to uh, teach uh, someone who's a regular in the class as Triton does come uh, every Sunday morning. So as I mentioned, uh, we took a two-week uh, sort of vacation, if you will, from, uh, from John. We'll be in the Gospel of John next week as I was looking ahead to uh, the chapters um, that are upcoming. Some wonderful and reassuring words from uh, Jesus regarding uh, himself as the Good Shepherd and uh, the voice of the Shepherd and how importantly the voice of the Shepherd is for us, especially in, uh, in anxious times. So I invite you to, uh, uh, I think, go back to Matthew 6, 25 to 34. That was the, the initial foundational verses that we started with last week. And I want to finish up a couple of things uh, with respect to that and then also get into some additional uh, scriptures as well. So Again, Matthew 6, 25 to 34, I'll read that through very quickly and kind of highlight some of the things we talked about last week and then get into the study for, uh, for today. So Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? 
Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Good question. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough trouble of its own. And that is the understatement of the year. Now, one of the things that we talked about last week is that Jesus makes a distinction between the idea of worrying as opposed to being anxious. When he says, do not worry about your life, that's not the same thing as being anxious about your life. Indeed, there are many things today that people are justifiably anxious about. Anxiety is one of those things that when you talk about it, kind of makes people nervous, and that makes sense. Nervousness and anxiety kind of go together. So the distinction is, is that anxiety has to do with the way that your mind and your body both react to whatever is the thing that is the stressor. So for most people, when they experience a stressor, then what happens is that triggers off the fight-flight response in the body and in the brain, and the body goes into a kind of self-protective or self-preservation mode. And the, the choice of the modality of fight or flight or fix, as I like to call it, or freeze, is kind of dependent on the way the body and the brain are wired, the way that uh, God has created that person. And so that helps us kind of understand why some people, when they get anxious and they get reactive, they go into kind of a fight, kind of a, an aggressive mode or an assertive mode. Some people become very domineering. Other people become very de decisive. Uh, you often see that in strong leaders, is that they really start to lead. They really start to take charge. Other people kind of go into a flight mode, which is that they feel overwhelmed by the situation, and they have a, a difficult time thinking, a difficult time uh, making decisions, difficult time figuring out what to do in the moment, and so they seek to flee. They seek to, to uh, sort of absent themselves from the stressor or from the situation in order to sort of collect themselves, and then they can kind of figure out what to do. Well, see, all of that is what anxiety is. Well, when Jesus talks about this idea of do not worry, the distinction he's making is, is that while anxiety would be a natural human reaction to the stressor, worry is a little bit different thing, because what worry has to do with is the idea that, uh, that it's kind of a habit, if you will, or it's an obsessive kind of fretting 
over aspects of life that the person doesn't have any control over. And one of the things we know about worry, and Jesus talks about it here, is that worry can take away from your life rather than adding to your life. It, it has a way of, of affecting negatively your brain and your body. So what Jesus is basically saying to us is, is that even though we have stressors going on, and with all of the uh, information that's out there, all of the, uh, the fact that people are having to deal with with the coronavirus, all those things, even though that these are real stressors, Jesus is saying to us is that we need not worry about it because worry itself is something that, uh, that is more destructive than is more helpful. So, uh, and we talked about these things last week, so I'm just, again, bringing, uh, bringing you up to speed in terms, of, uh, in terms of where we were last week. So one of the things that I wanted to pick up on today, and your uh, uh, guide for the outline that's associated with this lesson, will pick that up, where Jesus' Jesus's words to us is, is that the antidote for worry is in his words, seek first the kingdom, and all these things will be given to you as well. So he starts out by saying, seeking first, or seek first. The thing we always want to remember is, is that when it comes to dealing with the struggles and anxieties of life that are just part of living in the world today, that the handling of those things is always something that takes an inside-out kind, of, uh, kind of sequence in us. In other words, the idea is, is that we start with the heart and the soul, the inner part of the person, and then we move from the inner part of the person out to the persona of the person. So seeking first takes place within the soul, and then it moves out to the persona or the exterior uh, side of you. So how do we do that? So seeking, there's some things that, uh, that we can really take some comfort in. It begins with remembering that you are God's beloved by virtue of your baptism. Now we go back to Jesus' baptism. Remember in, in uh, Matthew 3, we've talked about this uh, different times in our class, and we kind of keep going back to it, uh, partly because it's so foundational to who we are and to whose we are. We remember Jesus' baptism. That Jesus, when he was baptized by John in the Jordan, uh, after the baptism, the heavens opened up, and the voice of God said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Well, when you and I were baptized, whether that was uh, pre-verbal when we were infants, a lot of us were, or later in life when uh, we had a better idea of what was going on around us. Um, when we were baptized, the very words that God said to Jesus are the words that he says to each of us. And he does it in a very personal way, I'd like to think. So the words would be, you are my child whom I love, with you I am well pleased. Now one of the things that that does 
those words do is that they establish for us the fact of how it is with us and God. And how it is with us and God is what's called an objective reality. The objective reality simply means that God's beloved, the way that God looks at each of us as his beloved, is an established fact. It's not something that is subject to the environment. It's not subject to uh, how we feel. It's not subject to uh, what's going on in the world. It's not even subject to what we think is going on in the world with respect to, uh, to, the, uh, to the environment. And so, for example, a lot of people today are struggling with the question of does the presence of the coronavirus and the difficulty that people are having with it, is this some sort of uh, statement from God that he doesn't love us, that somehow he has withdrawn his presence from us? Well, it'd be easy to say that based on what we look around and see. But when we go back to the objective reality of our belovedness with God, based on baptism, we can confidently say, no, this, the, God is still with us. He, has, he loves us and he has assured us of that love through, uh, through his son Jesus. The subjective perception, though, is more based on how confident we are in the objective, how, how confident we are in what God has done for us. And you know how it is with confidence. Confidence kind of goes up and down based on maybe your mood or based on uh, how scared you might be about things going on around you. Confidence can come and go. But belovedness is fact, and it's based on what has God has done for us. So again, the idea of seeking first means that we go back to, again, the basic. And the basic is, is that God, through baptism, has called us his beloved. A second way, then, to think in terms of seeking first is to remember that in our thoughts and in our words and in our deeds— we want to be able to reinforce how God feels about us. So what does that mean? Well, in our thoughts, we want to daily remind ourselves that I am God's beloved and we are God's beloved. One of the, one of the uh, uh, little, uh, tr tr I don't know if they call it a trick or not, but just one of the little uh, exercises that I often encourage people to do is to visualize God himself, or maybe a little easier to, uh, to visualize Jesus himself saying the very words to us, you are my child whom I love, with you I am well pleased. I like to, uh, to have uh, people close their eyes and visualize Jesus the good shepherd looking at you and saying those very words to you in that loving way with a smile on his face. You know, many of us uh, grew up in our homes with a picture or a painting of Jesus as the good shepherd hanging on a wall somewhere. 
If I was to ask you to shut your eyes and sort of imagine that picture, for many of us, it would not be a difficult task to do. Some people have that picture of of, uh, the shepherd who is carrying the sheep, the little lamb on his shoulders, and you sort of get the sense that uh, this is a little lamb that had wandered off, and now the shepherd went to find the little lamb and has found it and is bringing it back to the flock. And he's doing so with a smile on his face, a warm, uh, a warmth in his expression, where he might have been a little put out by the fact that the uh, sheep wandered off, but at the same time he loves the sheep and cares deeply for it. Well, if you could imagine the idea that that is the Lord and Savior who's saying to you and to me, uh, you are my beloved. And as you think about that and dwell on that, you can let that fill your heart with uh, with the joy of that. So that's in our thoughts. In our words, we want to remind ourselves out loud that I am God's beloved and we are God's beloved. And then in your words, uh, I'm sorry, in your deeds, you let your actions reflect the reality of who you are as God's beloved. You know, one of the things that uh, is very true about today, I think, is that people today, given how anxious they are about, uh, about everything that's happening, the anxiety of everything is affecting the way people treat each other. And I think that we see this especially on social media. We see this in the stores where uh, people are desperate for certain items in the stores and, and are, uh, uh, this is bringing out the, the worst behavior in people in terms of wanting to, to be selfish or wanting to hoard or wanting to to have some things in their lives and maybe cut others out of it. Uh, So one of the things when we think in terms of letting our actions reflect the reality of who we are as God's beloved is to think in terms of letting that uh, sort of inform the way that we're going to be with each other and how we speak, uh, certainly on social media as, as an example. It also means that um, there's a possibility, and we talked about this last week, given the high anxiety that uh, people are feeling and expressing, that because they are, uh, the likelihood of hurting each other's feelings, of of discounting one another, of uh, forgetting the important things that we need to remember, all those kinds of things can hurt feelings. So so part of... uh, The deed of being God's beloved is to remember to to repair those hurt feelings, to ask for forgiveness, to to acknowledge the the possibility or the likelihood that even if you didn't mean to, you probably did hurt somebody's feelings. And then lastly, to to tame that anxious instinct of self-preservation. You know, again, it's, it's kind of one of those things that when people are in high anxiety, uh, and, and everyone around us is in high anxiety, uh, the easiest thing to do is to think of the me rather than the we. And uh, again, as God's beloved, we want to let that belovedness 
that God has for us and that we can have for each other, we're going to let that be the thing that, uh, that helps to tame that instinct to, uh, to merely survive or to preserve ourselves. So Jesus says, seek first the kingdom and all these things will be given to you as well. And then he also says, don't worry about tomorrow. Uh, in the notes here, I'm reminding us that worry is self-consuming. And so what sometimes worry can do, and in, in when it's extensive worry in particular, is that what it, what it does is it absorbs all of the available energy that you have. And so as we're sitting there worrying about what might happen or, or what the ramifications or implications might be of something, it takes all our energy. And so there's no energy or very little energy left to actually do some of the things that uh, we need to do. So just some uh, kind of three steps there. Number one is to figure out what you can do something about and what you can't. I always encourage people to make a list. Here's all the things that are going on, and here are all the needs that, uh, that I'm aware of. And then you kind of go through and put a check mark by those things that you can actually do something about and those things that you can't do anything about. And then whatever it is that you can do something about, well, then do that. Focus on that for the day and visualize giving the rest to, uh, to, to God. Another, uh, another aspect of uh, dealing with worry in life is to also engage in meditative practices. You know, meditative practices are a wonderful way to reduce anxiety and uh, to get us into the uh, habit, if you will, of practicing the presence of God. So I've uh, offered here some steps, some, some ways that uh, that might be possible uh, to do. And as I've been thinking about uh, our study for today, um, I've also kind of come up with some extra things on the list that, uh, that I didn't include here. So the first one is to breathe deeply and to visualize God's loving presence as having walked ahead of you and that then he's kind of following after you, sweeping up after you. I always like to, to, uh, to think of uh, uh, these uh, old movies that I used to watch as a kid where the circus would come to town and then there was a parade and you'd have the elephants and you'd have the horses and you'd have the wagons and you'd have all those things in the parade. And then at the very end of the parade, the last... Uh, the last part of the parade was somebody was walking along behind the parade, sweeping up after, uh, after the parade had passed. And sometimes, I know it might seem just a little bit uh, uh, non-religious here, uh, but to think of, uh, think of God or the Holy Spirit or Jesus even as walking with me through life, but also uh, sweeping up after me turning my bad decisions into, into blessings, and certainly uh, thinking about mistakes I've made sweeping up uh, with forgiveness. So again, breathing deeply. I mention that because one of the aspects of anxiety, is, particularly when our anxiety gets triggered, is that very often we, uh, we kind of hyperventilate a little bit. Uh, 
the body starts to uh, breathe faster and in a shallow way the heart rate goes up and all these things sort of lend themselves to the feeling in the body that oh my gosh I'm gonna die oh my gosh I'm not getting enough air I'm not getting enough oxygen and so one of the aspects of meditation is to include breathing in that. So I've included also, and some of you have already gone through this with me, this is, was a while back, that uh, a little exercise called the Yahweh prayer. And I've included the word breathing in there just to remind us that uh, breathing is part of uh, is, is part, a big part of meditative practices and meditative prayers. So the, the way that the uh, Yahweh prayer goes is that you begin the prayer by saying God's name. God's name is Yahweh, which is, uh, is the word that means I am. So whenever in the, in the Bible God referred to his name as, as uh, I am, in the Hebrew language, uh, that is the name Yahweh. And so by saying the word Yahweh in a breathing way, as uh, the Hebrew language is meant to be breathed, uh, this is a nice way to, uh, to get your breathing going and to kind of get into that relaxed, uh, that relaxed state. So the way you start out with is that you say the word Yahweh, but you do it without moving your lips. And if you do it without moving your lips, it forces you to breathe. So the way it would come out is it would sound something like this. It's kind of an interesting thought that uh, the first breath you ever took as a little baby, you were saying God's name. The, the, uh, the breathing is, in fact, the name of God. So you do that for five times. Then the second thing you do is in this prayer uh, is that you pray the part where you worship Jesus and you say, Jesus, you are the beloved. And you do that for five times. I've got that listed here on the, uh, on the outline, that each of those things is is uh, something that you do five times. And again, you would breathe it. So you would breathe in on the word Jesus and then breathe out on you are the beloved. The third uh, part that you do is you say Jesus breathing in and then breathing out, you say I am your beloved. So you move from worshiping Jesus as the beloved to thanking him for the fact that he calls you as uh, as his beloved, and we talked about how he did that in baptism. And then the fourth part is, is that you breathe in on the name Jesus, and you breathe out on the words, we are your beloved. Now, one of the things I like about this particular aspect of the prayer is that we can include many people. And you might have in your mind a list of of people that are on your mind and heart, that you're thinking to yourself, um, that I very much would like to include them in my prayer. Maybe it's family. It might be some people that, that here at church or some people that you know. 
maybe some that are struggling with uh, the virus. Certainly, we certainly want to remember in prayer all of the frontline people. And so those people might, might come to mind. But I think what's interesting about this uh, fourth aspect of the prayer is that as you, uh, as you pray that part, Jesus, we are your beloved, don't be surprised if some names and images of people with whom you are having conflict come to mind. It's very often the way that the Holy Spirit works is that he reminds us that even though we might be caught up in some of our petty little uh, moments with people, that nonetheless, still there is a beloved son or daughter of God. And then the fifth part is of the prayer is that you end again with five times uh, breathing the word Yahweh. So again, that's a nice little way to practice some meditation and draw on the power of God himself to uh, help with, uh, with the anxious moments that you're having. Um, another uh, a tip, if you will, or another uh, exercise is to hum a Christian hymn while you wash your hands. I, I learned this just the other day that uh, the act of humming uh, versus uh, speaking out loud or singing even, humming itself uh, sends a vibration through the body, and the body uh, loves uh, humming. It loves the vibration. It kind of opens up the pores. It kind of opens up the, uh, uh, the joints, the cells, and helps them be healthy and more receptive to, uh, to the oxygen and to the flow of uh, energy through the body. If possible, uh, this next, uh, next thing is to get some exercise. Uh, I've noticed that uh, uh, in my neighborhood, a lot more people are getting out and walking uh, in the park that we have near our, near our house uh, and certainly on the streets that lead to the park. And of course, you know, exercising good judgment with uh, social distancing. But it is a great opportunity to get out of the house if, uh, if you're able to do that. Um, or uh, just do exercise in the house, and then, if possible, to get seven or eight hours of recuperative sleep. One of the things that's very tempting uh, when we're uh, kind of stuck at home, we're, we're doing shelter at home uh, or shelter-in-place uh, kinds of restrictions, is to be tempted to spend a lot of our time uh, watching TV or uh, watching uh, activities on uh, video or gaming, and um, I'm not uh, going to uh, sit here today and say, oh, terrible gaming, 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 but there is no question, given some of the research now that's being done on how addictive uh, video gaming can be. So if you can reduce your video screen time to no more than two hours a day, and optimally uh, 45 minutes at a time, then uh, you're still going to be able to uh, enjoy that without it having a negative impact uh, on your brain. If you have some, some questions about that, um, I have some good resources. If you might want to take a look at you can just let me know. And then the last one says take your meds. 
And uh, that's not meant to be uh, humorous or tongue-in-cheek. Um, there are some of our folks that we know who struggle with some chemical imbalance inside that can result in uh, some mood disorders like anxiety as a, as a chronic problem or depression or some of the other ways that uh, the chemical imbalance will manifest itself. And so don't forget to take your meds. You know, uh, medicines and uh, antidepressants and anti-anxiety, those kinds of things, as long as you're under the care of a physician or someone who's got a good scientific background, those are gifts from God as well. And we have to remember that we sure want to keep our bodies in optimal uh, condition while we're dealing with the anxieties of the day. Lastly, then, I've got some other scriptures here that uh, I think are, are going to be of comfort for us as well. Uh, and these are things, again, that the Bible has a lot to say that, uh, that helps us in times of, of difficulty when we're not certain of the future and uh, we're kind of wondering to ourselves, what's the next thing? Psalm 94, 18 to 19. When I said, my foot is slipping... Your unfailing love, Lord, supported me. When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought me joy. I think one of the things that uh, many people are discovering is that the more anxious you feel, and, and again, I'm reminded when I look at the, uh, the whiteboard here in, in, our, uh, in our classroom, that I had put the scale up on the board of 1 to 10, kind of a vertical line, uh, one at the bottom and ten at the top, is a reminder that when people are in high anxiety and fight-flight kicks in in a big way, one of the things that takes a hit is, uh, is joy in life. Um, what that brings to mind are the fruit of the Spirit that uh, Paul talks about in, in the book of Galatians, the letter to the Galatians. He talks about the fruit of the Spirit Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, etc. And one of the things that can happen is that when anxiety is really high, what you discover is that it takes a lot of work to exercise that fruit. So what the psalmist here is reminding us of is that when anxiety is great within us, the consolation of the Lord is what brings us joy. It's pretty hard to manufacture that within ourselves when we're anxious. But remembering to focus on the mercies of God and what God does for us and has done for us in Jesus can indeed restore the joy. Proverbs 12:25 says, "Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind heart cheers it. A kind word, I'm sorry, cheers it up." Again, remembering that how we talk to each other and how we talk on social media and what we say, whether you agree with the way the government is handling things or the way that the government isn't handling things, whether, whether you feel that the, the, the local authorities know what they're doing or they don't know what they're doing, irrespective of how you feel about those things, to remember that how we speak to each other and how we speak uh, uh, publicly can either add to the anxiety that people are feeling or maybe, in fact, can lift the spirits of the people around us. 
1 Peter 5, 6 to 11 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Just a reminder again that, uh, that anxieties of life are all around us. They have been since the creation of the world. But he reminds us that we can cast our anxieties on him. I love that word, cast. Uh, I think of someone who casts a net into the sea in order to catch some little uh, fingerling fish. Uh, they throw that thing out into the water and, uh, and they fling it away from themselves. And that's the idea of cast your anxiety on him. But also to be aware of the fact that this is the time when, when, uh, when anxiety is very high, when people are in a kind of chronic uh, condition of fight-flight, that it's much easier to be tempted by Satan to be... Uh, to become weak in our faith, to, to begin to look at people as the enemy rather than looking at the devil as the enemy and to think in terms of the way that we might uh, serve each other. And then finally, Psalm 55, 22, he says again, using that same word, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. These are fantastic words for us today. They're words that uh, can bring us comfort, and they're certainly words that we can share with each other. And so as we, as we bring our, our lesson for a close today, my prayer will be for you that uh, you are filled with God's presence, reminded that uh, He loves you a great deal as He loves me, even loves Triton here, and... Uh, as we uh, bring this to a close, we'll close in prayer and look forward to meeting uh, next week. So let's go, God, to go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the way that your word speaks to us. I know that we pray that each and every week. And sometimes the way your word speaks to us, it, it, it admonishes us. Uh, it certainly uh, fires us up. It encourages us. But as we think about uh, everything going on in our world today, we look for the comfort and reassurance that your word brings to us. So help us, Lord, to be comforted by your presence. Help us to know that uh, we are your beloved no matter what, and that uh, we have the opportunity to give witness to that belovedness in the way that we respond to everything that's going on. Be with uh, those that uh, are our first responders uh, in our community and also in our congregation. And uh, help each of us to be mindful of the ways that we can serve even when things are difficult. And we pray those things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Messiah's Upper Room. 
Here at Messiah Lutheran Church, our mission statement is sharing his light. That means sharing the light that is Jesus Christ and telling others about his gospel. If you want to join us in that mission, please share this podcast with someone that may want to come and better know the light of Jesus. Use one of our past episodes as a starting point to start a discussion with someone, or use a past series as a personal Bible study or devotional for your family or small group. If we've given any value to you at all, consider leaving this podcast a rating and review on iTunes. That will help us climb the iTunes rankings so we may better spread the reassuring good news of Jesus Christ and continue to share his light with anyone willing to listen. Thank you again so much for listening, and until next time, may God bless you throughout your week. Bye.